all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. And we're back to normal. Yes. <laughs> back to normal, which which the our audience is like, thank God. <laughs> no. Two straight episodes of David doing the commentary. No, we've gotten a lot of positive comments about I know. you. It, um, I just find it fun episodes. to be uh, self- uh, Deprecating? Yes, thank you. I was going gotcha. to say self-immolating, but that's something, that's something completely different. Please never self-immolate. <laughs> yes. I don't want to be like that guy in the White House lawn a couple weeks ago. Did someone really set themselves yeah, on you, fire? Yeah, it, for it? some reason it was the most minor story. Did he, well, he died a couple days later, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh. I, I just prefer to be in like a protest walk. Right, like a, a march. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have the balls to set myself on fire. Well, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the walking part is much easier than being on fire. I'm just going to go ahead and... Well, and then you're you're alive to do other stuff. <laughs> yes. You know, there is that. Yes, you are. Wow. Yeah, oh. for some reason, that just literally... Flew under the radar. Yeah. That's horrible. Yes. That's horrible. Yeah. My goodness. Um... So, with that being said, you did want to say something about last week's episode. Um, yes, well, we don't want to... Well, it, it doesn't matter because they're not going to hear it. So, for the Kishtim disaster that we did last week... Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to do... I started doing the research on it. I thought it would be a fun one to do. Um, there was a tornado during the War of 1812 that touched down in Washington, D.C., while Washington, D.C. was being burned to the ground by the British. Wow. Um, it took out some British soldiers and also mm-hmm. took out some civilians. But there was almost nothing on it. Mm-hmm. And it just started becoming a history report on the <laughs> yeah. War of 1812. Which so still would have been interesting. It would have, but, but that's not what we do. So yeah, that's why enough. I stopped <clears throat> on that one. And that's I already had this other nuclear disaster in my mind. So gotcha. that's, that's why I rolled with that one. Because gotcha. it was just, there was more... Meat. Background. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I should say there was more background than disaster on the previous one. Yes, absolutely. Or on the one you were thinking of doing. Honestly, I've done that mm-hmm. several times. It's kind of hard not to for certain things. Yeah, because there's that, more because there is a historical context, element yes. to uh-huh. uh, certain certain tragedies we've done. Well, that's why I kind of consider like. Our podcast, yes, it's disaster related, but we get into science, we get into geography, we get into history, because it disasters are a social and scientific phenomenon too. Oh yeah, you know. So, oh yeah. Hey. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So what are you what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking another Commonwealth. Ah. I know I've been drinking a lot of theirs lately. Is that, this, the, one, is that the one I had too? No. Is that the Mm-mm. one I bought? No. No, this is the Ariel. I think that's how you'd pronounce it. Sure. It's a Pilsner Lager. And I have to say, I thought it was going to... I got it because it was um, Commonwealth. I thought it was going to be a little boring because, you know, Pilsner Lager, it's like Mm -hmm. generic, generic. But there's a little bit of something floral and just enough hops. I sound Mm. like such a fucking beer snob (laughs) right now. Mm. The floral, I especially like. Uh, yeah, that's no, that's no go for me. Really? What yeah, do you what the, you taste? It's the, the floral. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay with some floral, like elderflower. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of. Oriole. 
A- Alien. Welcome. <laughs> is, that, is that Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> no, it's from uh, Coming to America. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am having uh, the Full Steam McCray Cray. <laughs> Which is really funny. It's a funny name. That's actually, it's not great. It's not Really? It's I thought good. it was pretty good. It's good. Um, it is a Scottish-style wee-heavy ale. Mm-hmm. So tonight I get to drink the, well, in the last one I was drinking a 10 percenter <laughs> and doing the commentary. <laughs> now you're now doing, I'm doing an 8.3 percenter <laughs> and just chiming in with stupid things there every now go. and then. Um, so Schmeeds, thank you. Yes, um, you've been really good at plugging those lately, so I need to keep it going. Uh, follow us at All Bad Things Pod, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Join the All Bad Things discussion group um, and email us whenever you feel like it. All bad things pod at gmail.com. Yes. So. All right. We had a lot of preamble in our last episode, but this one's going to be a long one. I have five full pages of research and I believe like six or seven pages of pictures for this one. Okay. This is going to be, this is going to be a fun topic. Okay. Yeah. You seem really excited I'm about this I'm so tragedy. excited. I'm going to give you two hints in my next sentence. Okay. This disaster is wild because Florida. This, something, my friends. Something with the ever Everglades? Everblades? <laughs> I keep thinking the hockey team. Yes, this, my friends, is the story of the motherfucking pythons of the motherfucking oh, Everglades. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, that is a disaster. The pythons of the Florida Everglades. And yes, I'm excited. So, I mean, this is, this is terrible. It is, yes. All right. So, since the 1980s, at least, um, it's possible it's gone farther back than that, Burmese pythons, which are not native to the United States, let alone Florida. Hence the name. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Have proliferated in the Florida Everglades, upending the local ecosystem as an invasive species. This is our first invasive species episode. That's true. An ecological disaster. Those are a disaster. Can yes. be a disaster. Usually are. Y- well, yes, and we'll, we'll an talk in, yeah. about the difference between an alien and an invasive species. Those are two different things. We'll get into that. Okay. Alien species, not, not just an alien. An alien species, an invasive species. So, um, so there's any number of invasive species we could talk about, right? There's um, so many examples of it in nature, and we could have done our first one in any different place, you know, in the world. But why do you think I chose this one? Well, you are a native. Yes. yes. I am a native species. <laughs> yes. The Rachel she's, she's is out native. Of, she's out of, her envel- out of her environment in North Carolina. Yes, I'm an invasive species in North Carolina. Especially when she's driving. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> apparently everywhere is Miami. Yes. <laughs> so we are going to visit, in our geography corner, South Florida. So, obviously, anyone who's listened to us with any regularity knows I'm from Miami originally. So, South Florida is very near and dear to my heart. Completely off-the-wall ridiculous, though it may be, <laughs> that it's area. And certainly it is. that. It is. It's its own country. I always say that. So, um, just quick geography corner. of So, Florida is in the extreme southeastern part of the United States. Uh, it's as far southeast as you can get in the U.S. In fact, Key West has the gaudy, like, this is the southernmost point mm-hmm. of the United States. 
Uh, have you? You've never been to Key I West, no, right? We never went down that right. far. Right. We, we stayed in Isla Mirada, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's as far as we went because it takes a really long time to drive all the way down to Key West. I remember we considered it at some point, but you were we like, did. "It's a long drive," it and I was is. like, "Well, I'm, and over the seven mile it bridge, it was a long drive just to get to Miami from here." So, yeah, that's very true. So, uh, Florida as a state <laughs> is unique. One might say. Uh, It gets a lot of shit here in the United States. Um, Its official nickname is the Sunshine State, but it has also been called the Penis of America. (laughs) Because it is a peninsula that sort of hangs off the country. (laughs) So if you look at it, yeah. Um, So in the United States, the state has a reputation for having a lot of bizarre things happen. The long and short of it is that it's a huge state. It really is. Florida yes, geographically is. is very big, especially it's very long. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, it's really hot. It's a subtropical climate. It has very culturally distinct regions. Really weird ass political leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to say and, the least. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a melting pot of people and cultures. So, yeah, it, it's unique. Uh, And when I say the regions are distinct, I really mean it. Like, it's like traveling to different states within the state as you just go through Florida. For example, the northern part of Florida is very much the deep south. It might as well be part of, like, Alabama. Because same difference, pretty much. Uh, Then there's Orlando, where Disney World is, kind of the middle of the state. It's hot as fuck. Fuck, because it's inland. It is, yeah, it is. There is no ocean breeze. And then you have South Florida. And South Florida really, truly is its own state, if not its own country. Now, South Florida, geographically speaking, basically consists of three sections. The Keys, so the island chain off the south coast of Florida, the southernmost part of the state and the country. A strip on the eastern coast that uh, contains from south to north Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, and West Palm Beach, along with lots of other cities in between, which are all very densely populated and very diverse, um, as well as pretty corrupt. (laughs) We built this region on cocaine, Mm -hmm. after all. Feel free to watch Billy Corbin, South Florida native Billy Corbin's Cocaine Cowboys and Square Grouper. Also, um, Screwball (laughs) takes place in Miami as Mm -hmm. well. It is an interesting place. And then there's a massive region in the central and eastern part of the very... Uh, southern part of South Florida uh, that is known as the Florida Everglades, which we will get into. But let's do a little history lesson of Florida. So the history of Florida, like most states, goes back millennia. Evidence has been found of human inhabitants as early as 12,000 BCE. Wow. Okay. Long time ago. Now, very little is known about these people and their history beyond, like, what minimal archaeological artifacts have been found. Because they were eaten by pythons. (laughs) Nope. Not then. (laughs) It is thought, though, that most early native people in the southern part of Florida were quite isolated from the rest of the world, as we are now. (laughs) Um, whereas people who lived more in the panhandle had more interaction with people in what is now Alabama, Mississippi. So it's kind of like two different sections of people or tribes of people. And as with... As as it continues to be today. (laughs) Exactly. 
So as with most areas in the U.S., the known recorded history of Florida begins when colonists arrive. Mm-hmm. In this case, the Spanish. Um, is it, who, is it Ponce de Leon? Well, so there probably were people who came before him, but yes, Ponce de Leon, Juan Ponce de Leon, is most notable or most credited mm-hmm. for, quote, discovering Florida in 1513, which is when he named the state. Do you know what Florida Means. I don't. It means full of flowers. Ah. Yeah, very florid, right? <laughs> Instead, it's full of alligators. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, flowers. There's, there's a lot of flowers. Uh, by the Lots way, of one, of, one of the funnier drunk histories that's out there, I think it was on the second or third season. I mm. can't remember who did it, but they did a Ponce de Leon drunk history, did which they? was fucking hilarious. That's funny. So, of course, with the colonization of Florida came lots of problems for the indigenous peoples of the area. There were several tribes, including the Appalachee, the Calusa, and Tequesta, or Tequesta, I'm not sure which, how it's pronounced. They were basically completely wiped out by the diseases brought by the Spanish, for which they did not have natural immunity, and by violence from the Spanish, the English, and either, even other native peoples. So... There was a second group of Native people that became indigenous to South Florida after their predecessors were killed, and these were the Seminoles. Ah, yes. So the word Seminole is... Florida State. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, The word (laughs) Seminole is likely derived from a Creek word, Creek being the native language of the Seminoles, that generally translates to something similar to outcast or runaway. Mm, Okay. Because, (coughs) excuse me, the people who initially formed the Seminole tribe were essentially cast out from their native tribes or chose oh, to leave okay. their native tribes. Interesting. So they, uh, that makes sense. They're, so it translates to outcast or runaway because in general they were either cast out of their tribes or left their tribes. So, so the Seminoles settled in Florida in the early 18th century, many as refugees from wars that took place in other parts of the South. The Seminoles were mostly okay during the colonial period and even after the Revolutionary War. But when the U.S. acquired Florida from the Spanish in 1821, of course, suddenly it wasn't so cool to the Americans that the Seminoles were there. Yeah, a treaty that I read about while I was doing my, what turned out to be the War of Mm. 1812 research, Mm -hmm. that that treaty was signed uh, post, uh, I can't remember what it was called now, but uh, the United States got Florida because of the War of 1812. Oh, okay. That was part of the territory mm-hmm. that was acquired. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. There was a roughly like 40-year period, somewhere between 1818 and 1858, during which there was a series of wars, three major wars known as the Seminole Wars. That I have heard of that. Yeah, okay. Yes. That took place. So many Seminoles were killed, and as could probably be predicted, nearly 4,000 were resettled. Mm. Meaning forcibly driven out, uh, mostly to the West and more specifically to Oklahoma, where the bulk of Seminole peoples live today. Interesting. So, though a minority of Seminoles do still reside in Florida, as well as another subgroup of Seminoles, the Miccosukee tribe. Oh, yeah. So, side note, I know the name Miccosukee because they're known for having a gaming reservation in Florida. Is that so the one the we went to? No, I'm about to get to oh, that. Oh, okay. The Seminoles of Florida have their headquarters in Hollywood, Florida, which is in southern Broward County, a little north of Miami, south of Fort Lauderdale. And they have control over several reservations, including 
the Hollywood Reservation, where the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino are. So God, when you we gotta were, get, we got to get back there. That was fun. Yes. <laughs> when you won the money playing poker, mm-hmm. you were able blackjack. to gamble. Oh, blackjack. Mm-hmm. You were able to gamble because we were on an Indian reservation. Yes. Thank you. So. It's the least we can do after <laughs> killing and raping uh, and pillaging the majority of your people. And then, you quote, have a resettling. Yeah. 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 But in that one te- textbook, it just said they just agreed to move and, like, nothing happened. Yeah, that's... <laughs> God, that's so incensing. Mm. So... So I'm sorry all of your people had to die, but at least we got a casino out of it. <laughs> so we're going to get into the geography of the Everglades, but first let's talk about the actual Everglades and what they're kind of like. So... During the Seminole Wars, U.S. forces mostly had very unpleasant experiences in the Everglades. Jesus, yeah. Fuck that. Because the area was nothing like anywhere else in the country where the soldiers may have had experience. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they had plenty of bad experiences in the Everglades. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me find. I'm starting my uh, pictures for you. Oh, no, not that one. <laughs> Specifically for me, because the people listening cannot see this. Well, I'm, I'm going to put, I'm <laughs> yeah, going to try and remember to put some of these on um, Instagram. So here are some pictures of the Everglades. We'll kind of talk about the the, the, the topography of oh, the okay. region. <laughs> so, uh, so the Everglades were it's fucking huge. Well, so here, they used to be a Giant, do you see this where this um, brown is? Mm-hmm. That used to be all the Everglades. Oh, okay. Yes. So it, it was a, a giant wetland basin where the Kissimmee River ran into Lake Okeechobee. That's Lake Okeechobee right there. And continued southward into a complex system of water flow, aquifers, creeks, all sorts of things throughout literally the rest of the state. I see. So you can see how far north parts of it go mm-hmm. and then how how much it comes down from there now for um for scale this is everglades national park now okay and then this is cypress reserve so all of this has been developed the fuck out ah, of the everglades which we'll talk about in a minute so the swampy grassy areas of the everglades were prime for mosquitoes so that plagued u.s soldiers during the seminole wars <laughs> as well as the very nasty and aptly named sawgrass that proliferates in the region, which has little tiny serrated edges. <laughs> which, is curr- is, which is also currently on fire. Here's a river of sawgrass mm-hmm. there. And you're right, it is it is on fire right now, which is not uh, terribly unusual. Um, so soldiers would get cut, U.S. soldiers would get cut by it, Get infected wounds, die of <laughs> die or have their limbs amputated because of gangrene. So, super fun. And in the words of one army surgeon, quote, It is, in fact, a most hideous region to live in. A perfect paradise for Indians, alligators, serpents, frogs, and every other kind of loathsome ah, reptile. Serpents. Ooh. End quote. Yes. So, besides the awful racism in that <laughs> sentence, comparing... Indians to animals. Um, it is true that the Everglades is not terribly habitable. No. Hell so no. sawgrass marshes, like <clears throat> sawgrass in water, are the main ecological feature of the Everglades, which are pretty hostile to humans, as the U.S. soldier discovered. 
because of its size, there's actually a lot of ecological variation within the Everglades. Like, it's not just all a literal swamp. It's been more accurately described as a river. Like I said, it's a water basin, right? So it has several distinct ecosystems that include hardwood hammock, pinelands, mangroves, coastal lowlands, freshwater areas, cypress forests, and estuaries. Um, The amazing variety of flora in the Everglades includes its signature mangrove trees, which I absolutely love. I love a mangrove. They're pretty cool. Yeah. They smell disgusting. Do they? Because they're, oh yeah, they're in swampy areas. Well, sure. So they're pretty gross smelling, but you can kind of see their massive root system. Mm -hmm. It's really cool and how they grow like in and out of water. It's, It's very neat. The Everglades are also known for bromeliads, hardwood hammocks. The famous cypress trees, orchids, beautiful orchids, sure. air plants, and hundreds of types of wildflowers. The the Everglades is really a very cool place. So some of the pictures I I got here, like, isn't that a gorgeous picture? It is. The sunset, the, the aerial view here near the estuary. This is the Gumbo Limbo Trail, which I personally have been on. I'd like because, to go on yeah, that. Yeah, and the Gumbo Limbos are the, the trees. The trees. And then this canal here through the... Is this the highway right here? Or what is that right next to it? Is that the highway? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Because I remember when we were driving down... It's Alligator Alley. When we were driving down to where we stayed at near the Keys. Isla Mirada. Isla Mirada. I remember, and again, just everything in Florida is just fucking flat. Yes. Like you can just see for miles. That is very true. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The natural animal wildlife of the Everglades is just as impressive as its plants. Massive numbers of animals call the Everglades home, including frogs and toads, various lizardy things. Uh, Serpents, <laughs> I believe you mean. No, lizards. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, egrets, ducks, hummingbirds, sandpipers, gulls. Oh, egrets are birds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just literally found that out yesterday what playing. What did you think they were? I'd never heard of it until oh. until playing Red Dead Redemption oh, really? Two yesterday. Never heard of an egret? Uh-uh. Okay. I had to uh, kill a bunch of them and, and take their plumes. <laughs> well, that's depressing. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's happening virtually, <laughs> not doing it for real. But yeah, now, like but it. now that you're describing all this, this mm-hmm. one region of the game, it's making me think that that's what they copied. Oh, maybe was the Everglades? Mm-hmm. Could because be. in this one section of the game, there's fucking alligators all over the place, mm. and they will kill you. Okay. Um, there are storks, kingfishers, cuckoos, hawks, falcons, including peregrine falcons. Oh, really? In Florida? Mm-hmm. Okay. Songbirds, pelicans, flamingos, mm-hmm. and plenty of other birds. There's almost 300 known species of fish native to the Everglades. Um, absolutely cringe-worthy numbers of insects. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Arachnids, centipedes, and millipedes. Adorable little white-tailed deer. Pigs. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of deer. Talk in, about uh, serving them right up to the to the uppers of the food chain. Well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Pigs, the Florida panther. Oh yes. Bobcats, otters, foxes, dolphins, bats, armadillos, rabbits, rodents, and the notorious reptiles of the Florida Everglades, including turtles and tortoises, both alligators and crocodiles, and snakes. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing here. Fucking poisonous as a motherfucker snake. There's a there's cotton mouse. I know yeah. that they're in there. Um, anyway, 
let's talk about the development of the Everglades. So in the days after the Seminole Wars, but before the official establishment of a relationship between the tribe of Seminoles and the Bureau of Indian Affairs in the mid-20th century, a number of Seminoles had managed to fight off U.S. forces, mostly by retreating into the Everglades, sure. where they remained because the U.S. kind of gave up finding them. Yeah, they're like, they're just <laughs> like, like fuck this. Like, like, yeah, we're, we're, grand, just, we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna leave. Yeah. But the, <laughs> and, and they can stay and die. <laughs> but the Everglades, originally that enormous area I mentioned that we can see on this map, started to be developed, sure. mostly with flood control and drainage projects. So essentially, this natural land, which was not habitable in general by average people, especially average Americans, because we're weak-ass motherfuckers, was made more inhabitable by altering its natural state. Now, we're terrible at doing this now, overdeveloping la- natural land, right? But can you imagine how many fewer shits people gave Back in the, like the late 1800s, oh, we know how nobody, little nobody they cared. Mm-hmm. It was all about conquest. Still, they were like, "Hey, is this land farmable? Can we make it farmable?" And yeah, so, like Spain gave us gave us this big territory. What are we going to do with it? And so they decided, "Hey, let's literally drain the swamp." Mm-hmm. So after okay, this is interesting. How the hell do you do that in the late 1800s? Well, so after some stopping and starting attempts that were made between the end of the Seminole Wars and the end of the Civil War, right? Everything got put, civil projects got put on hold during the Civil War. So a Pennsylvania real estate developer named Hamilton Diston purchased 4 million acres of Florida land for a million dollars in 1881, over 26 million today. Mm -hmm. Still a steal. Hell yeah. Uh, And started constructing canals to help lower water levels. For the record... Canals are every fucking where in Florida. That's true, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> Even where my parents live. Oh, yes. They're just everywhere, especially in South Florida. There's canals left and right. People are always driving their cars into them. Like, it's, <laughs> I remember um, I knew what a center punch was when I was like 12 because they would, every like two months, they would run a feature on the news about how you always needed a center punch and a seatbelt slasher. For when you inevitably for, for when you drove your a- yeah drove your car into a canal so <laughs> so uh, so distance development attracted other land buyers attracted tourists and settlers so the population of the state really started to increase then oil baron Henry Flagler for whom I know that name after whom many things in Florida are named especially South Florida there is a Flagler Street mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Flagler. I've always just heard it referred to as Flagler. I'm trying. I don't know if it's Avenue Road Drive, Flagler. That's all I know it as. Anyway, um, well, it's that hip South Florida language. Yeah, <laughs> he started building rail lines and mm-hmm. resorts, mm-hmm. and people started settling citrus farms along the rail lines. So they were draining the wetland to make it farmable, sure, and habitable, and developed into touristy areas, basically. Everyone remained very gung-ho about draining the Everglades into the 20th century, including Napoleon Bonaparte Broward, (laughs) who I literally did not know until I did this research that that's where the word Broward came from. I knew Broward County, but I didn't know it was named for a man whose full name was Napoleon Bonaparte Broward. (laughs) His parents must have been really big fans. 
Well, it's like Martin Luther King was named for Martin Luther. Yes, I did know that. So there's I've never like heard of this dude. Oh, ne- me neither. Except for the county. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Napoleon Bonaparte Broward was the winner of the 1904 Florida gubernatorial race. And at that point, development became quite the runaway train, with parts of the Everglades up for sale for, get this, $15 per acre in 1910, which is the equivalent of about $400 today. Yeah, well, when we did our Dust Bowl episode, they were selling plots in the Midwest. Mm. Again, obviously, the Midwest is not Florida. Right. But the plots of land, I cannot remember the... Uh, I cannot remember the acreage. I mm-hmm. want to say it was something like 50 or 60 acres. Like something ridiculous. Plots. But for, I think it was $10. That's just... Just to entice people to, to move there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So clearly they were all very okay with doing away with this natural land. And so the Everglades were starting to become no more the Everglades, but mm-hmm. rather developed land. It took decades for people to realize that the Everglades were something that needed to be preserved, that it was a unique ecosystem in the world, let alone the United States. There's not another one of these. No, it's amazing. (laughs) So a call to establish the Everglades as a national park started as early as 1928, but it didn't get carried through until 1934. And that's when it was officially declared by Congress to be a, a national park. And it wasn't even until... 13 years later, 1947, when it was actually dedicated as a na- national park. Um, that was done by Harry Truman. Uh, yeah, there was there were some things going on between that time. Well, fair <laughs> enough, but... In, well, I guess the Depression was... Okay, there may enough. not have been a United States in 1947, well, for all they knew. Yeah. So this was also... Uh, right, right in 1947 is when kick-ass writer and conservationist Marjorie Stoneman Douglas published her book, The Everglades, River of Grass, the result of five years of research of the area. So for anyone who's heard of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, where the shooting happened, that's that's who it was named after. It's named after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, writer, conservationist, really amazing woman of the 20th century. She argued, look, the Everglades isn't just a swamp. This is a flowing river, which was correct. And that's she was the one who came up with the River of Grass moniker, which is stuck to this day. And she warned heavily that overdevelopment was killing the Everglades and that it should be stopped. She was not wrong. And unfortunately, to this day... People are constantly pushing the boundaries of the protected land of the oh, Everglades of course. for the sake of accommodating the massive number of people who live in South Florida. And I've seen this myself. So first of all, my so the um, in in Florida, or I should say in South Florida, the streets are built on a grid, right? Oh, so yeah. um, mm-hmm. avenues run uh, east and west, and roads and streets run north and south. And at one time, so like as the number gets bigger, that's the farther west you're going when you talk about avenues. Mm. At one time, quote, southwest Miami-Dade County was around 107th Avenue. And now it reaches as far as Chrome Avenue, which is 177th. Wow. So it went it went a further seven miles, and then they're still like knocking on the Everglades door and building things as far west as they can. And chipping away at the protected land, which is really terrible. Well, I hope those people get attacked by an alligator. (laughs) I I sincerely hope so. Alligators are constantly being found on people's 
like pools and freaking and and in canals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pretty much there's a lot of alligator (laughs) possibilities. Um, The Everglades were originally about four thousand square miles, and it has been reduced to about half that, or less than half of that. So, so that's the Everglades. Yeah. Um. So that alone is almost a tragedy. Yeah, no, no, it is. Over, it's an econo- uh, ecological yeah. tragedy. Yeah. Well, let's get further into the ecological tragedy here. So Florida in general and the Everglades in particular, like many other ecosystems in the world, has a particular problem with invasive species. Now, there is controversy as to what invasive really is. Because there's a controversy over what native species actually are. It's impossible to know what species are truly native sure. to a region and which were re- introduced. Like that, that region's been there for thousands of years, right? There's no so, way to and know people sure. could have introduced other species. <clears throat> you know, who knows how far back before we have records? For example, who's to say that the Spanish didn't bring some non-native plants or animals to Florida? Who's to say they didn't bring panthers with them, right? So we consider them native, but maybe they aren't. You that know? must have been that must have been a terrible boat ride to be on there with a panther, though. <laughs> Uh, However, the United States government does have a definition on record of an invasive species. Uh, It was introduced in Executive Order 13112 by Bill Clinton in 1999, and it defined two key things, which I mentioned before, alien species and invasive species. Okay. So an alien species is basically defined as any species, including eggs, spores, seeds, anything that could proliferate into a species, not native to a given ecosystem. Oh, okay. So it just means it's not native, right? Now, an invasive species is any alien species, and then this is the definition, quote, whose introduction does or is likely to cause economic or environmental harm or harm to human health. Okay. So it's about harm. Sure. That's what distinguishes an alien species from an invasive species is the harm that can be or is being caused. So that's the idea. Now, notable um, examples of invasive species throughout history have included rabbits in Australia, right? That's a famous... Oh, have you never heard of that? No. That's a famous example of invasive species. Like, So basically, Europeans brought over um, rabbits because they for food and also because they're like oh we have rabbits at home but they are not at all native to australia and you know the um the saying screwing like rabbits Mm -hmm. rabbits multiply rapidly so they very quickly became a very big problem and basically overran the entire continent interesting i know i've never heard of that yep so so uh Lionfish in the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. and the Gulf of Mexico. That's very is recent. Actually, I think that's still going on. Oh yes, yeah. it absolutely is. That's another example of an invasive species in the ocean, and of course, the Burmese pythons mm-hmm. of the Florida Everglades. Now, invasive species can make their inroads through different means, but it's usually because humans specifically relocate them. Sometimes accidentally, but often deliberately. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like I said, the rabbits of Australia were brought by the Europeans. So, another way is through the release of exotic pets. So, exotic pets are essentially any rare or unusual 
animal kept as a pet. Like a dog or cat or hamster or whatever is is domesticated. It's usual, it's domesticated, it's not exotic. But say a tarantula, a monkey, a snake, an iguana, a panther, like the, 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 um, I almost said Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> a zubba dubba do what? Who am I thinking? Sigmund and, not Sigmund and Freud. Simon and Garfunkel. Who the fuck am I thinking of? The, the Vegas no guys idea. with the, um, yeah. one got mauled by Oh, us. yeah. Um, Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> Siegfried and Roy. Like, what? Sigmund and Freud, Simon and Garfunkel, <laughs> Siegfried and Roy. Those people. I'm going to guess Simon and Garfunkel have never <laughs> seen a, a tiger. They live in New York. I yeah, think they're. And Paul Simon is like four foot nine and weighs 100 pounds. He's not going to a zoo. Sigmund and Freud. Sigmund and Freud. Oh my God. So. That'd be a hell of a show, though. <laughs> they kept, what was it, white, white tigers? I think they had several different types of tigers. And one of them got mauled well, by one? Apparently, what I've read, which is apparently is the. Official account? Is the official account, because the initial mauling, that's all anybody remembers, because that was the first thing they saw, and that yeah. was all they... But apparently what was happening to Roy... Okay. He was having a stroke. And apparently uh, the tiger was trying to drag him Aww. to safety. But in doing so, I mean, you're talking about a tiger. I don't know if anybody's seen a tiger and <laughs> seen how fucking yeah, huge enormous. they are. Uh-huh. There's no safe way... Of a tiger yeah. handling a human being. It that sounds almost like when uh um like a mother cat grabs the yes, kitten by the scruff of the neck. That's exactly what it was trying to yeah. do. But in doing so, oh poor baby. Yeah, not Roy, the poor tiger. Well, I mean, kind of both, but uh, I don't I don't know what happened after well, that. Well, he was the fucking idiot keeping a tiger in his house. That is true as well. Don't have tigers in your no. house, please. So he's uh, a- Meg Ryan, uh, actually Meg Ryan too. Uh, not Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan, not Meg Ryan. <laughs> Another blonde somebody. The fuck is her name? <laughs> she was married to. My God, why can't I think of her name? We're anyway, so fucking old. We've reached our. I, I know, right? Middle age. Um, this actress who I can't remember her name. Okay. Grew up with her parents kept like lions and, and tigers okay. and shit. And I'll think of her name. Okay. Later. Whatever. You, is it you, Sigmund Freud? It is not. <laughs> it's definitely not Paul. It's definitely not Simon and Garfunkel either. <laughs> so, um, so uh, even like a hedgehog. Oops. How did that happen? I turned that off. Go away. Um, sorry. Anyway, um, even like a hedgehog be an, in, sure. uh, an exotic pet. It's not something not you should met. have for a pet. Ferrets, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, in my own mind, the way I see it as a vegan, an exotic pet is basically any animal that would be fine on its own in the wild. Sure. But you're the dick who's decided that you want to keep it as a pet. Well, a lot of cats would be fine on their own in the wild. A lot of cats are. Technically, but they are domesticated species. Yeah. So are dogs. Mm-hmm. They could they could fend for themselves in mm-hmm. the wild, but that doesn't mean they are wild animals. True. You know, so our modern day domesticated cats and dogs and hamsters and all, all those those guys are not wild animals. They are not per se. They yes, they are descended from, but they are domesticated. Oh my goodness! Why is oh it's the sorry it's the computer that keeps dinging. Um, 
it, those snakes, those iguanas, the monkeys, whatever, they don't need care or protection unless they're injured, ill, being rehabilitated, whatever. You know, there are protection sure. reasons, but healthy ones do not need protection. Therefore, no. they should not be kept as pets. I'm sorry. That's not something I would endorse. I get that I'm a vegan. Other people may not see well, it I that way. I wouldn't endorse it just for the, on the grounds that it's just fucking dumb. It, it is dumb, and it's also just... Leave them sorry, the fuck alone. Sorry to anybody who listening who might have a snake. Um, there are plenty of people who but, do. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. I I disagree with it from the sense it just doesn't make any sense. Like you were yeah. saying, they don't they don't need our. They help. don't need help. Yeah. yeah, they're happier out in the wild. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, you know. Um, but however, I will say that the main thing is that if you are a pet owner of any type of animal. It is your goddamn responsibility to take care of that animal for the rest of its life. So don't go fucking dumping them in a shelter or... <laughs> or in the Everglades. Or Yes, especially in the wild. Um, I get that sometimes there are circumstances, especially if there's any sort of like economic problem, but I have a very hard time accepting when people get rid of pets. It's just like, unless you can find a happy home for them. Yeah. Then, but, oh my God, do not let them out. That's just the number one thing you should not do. <laughs> Rehome if necessary. Even exotic pets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, people like snakes in South Florida. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know why. <laughs> it's because they're everywhere. They just do. <laughs> My dad is one of the people who likes snakes. He never kept any as pets, but back in the day, he liked collecting snake skins, and he would catch them, behead them, and skin them. I've witnessed this myself as a child. Fortunately, my father has come around to saying that there is no reason to kill them. If he comes across an interesting snake, he just now takes a picture. And I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm glad he's come around on that because that's awful. But I've seen plenty of people who keep snakes. It's a thing. I there. saw a, the herpetorium when was I, there. When I lived in South Carolina, um, my friend Matt, who played in this band, uh, the drummer of that band had a license, a snake handling license. And we went over to his house one time. He had um, probably 20 at least of deadly ass motherfucking snakes. I'm not talking about like just like a rattlesnake. He had pit vipers. He had all sorts of shit. That's just like an adrenaline junkie thing. It kind of is, but the coolest thing, and I'd never seen this thing before, and I hope to never see it again, uh, it was called a horned desert viper. Okay. So in its like box, it was just Mm -hmm. filled with sand. Okay. You couldn't see it at it all buried. in there. Yes. Like it buried itself? And he was just like, watch this. And he just tapped the glass and then pow. Oh the my thing just, God. it was just like, holy fuck. That's not good. So if you're at home, just Google horned desert viper. Or don't if you're afraid of snakes. They're scary that's a, as fuck. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, that whole, and he took one of the rattlesnakes out and I was just like, I'm like, I'm not cool with this. Like, I know you no. know how to handle it. Fuck I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near. Fuck no. Something that can kill me. There is a, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, um, not a troop, because that's the military. A battalion, I think. That's also and, a military term. Well, yes, but it is in um, fire rescue. Yes. In Miami-Dade County, mm-hmm. there is Venom One, which oh, yeah. is the snake that's where, uh, battalion. where James lives in Tucson. They have a similar... Mm-hmm. I don't think it's called that, but they have a similar deal. We used to go to church with a guy who... I don't know if he still is. He's, he's with Miami-Dade Fire Rescue, but I don't think he's with Venom One anymore. But um, they specifically 
they have an entire they, they battalion. Treat, they treat snake well, bites. And also to catch them mm-hmm. if they're in an area where they could harm people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, this is one... Oh, it's thought that the first pythons that started making their way to the Everglades were people releasing exotic pets because yeah, pythons yeah. are a popular pet to pet have. Snake. No, specifically I'm talking about Burmese pythons. Sure. Yes, pet snakes, but I'm talking about Burmese pythons here. Right. They were um, popular to be, I think at one point I read that there was like 90,000 imported, or no, over a million, anyway, a shit ton imported to the United States to be kept as pets. And then these dicks don't want to keep a fucking disgusting, gigantic, dangerous snake in their house. Have you, ever pet, have you ever touched a snake? I'm never going to because I'm not an idiot. Yeah, they're not they're not slimy or anything. No, I know they're not slimy, but anything that slithers like that is just gross. I just want to <laughs> keep it the fuck away from me. Anyway, so it's thought that like in the 70s and 80s, maybe that's where the first ones came from. But in a fun All Bad Things disaster tie-in... When Hurricane Andrew oh, hit South yeah, Florida, right. I think it we impacted about that. zoos. Right. Yes. I specifically remember the aviary of uh, Miami Metro Zoo, now called Zoo Miami, like released a bunch of birds just out yeah, because it got because, damaged. Right. Um, but also a damaged python breeding facility may have released a whole bunch of Burmese pythons into the Everglades Therefore, feeding the population and giving them enough of a population to thrive. And because, like, you release one snake out, nothing's going to happen. Not really. It's just going to die off. Even two, but they're in different locations, like, nothing's going to happen. You release a bunch of them, and especially from one single area, they're going to mate and be able to to proliferate. So, so... Uh, and then it's thought that even more people released pythons. Just, like, this is never stopped. People were still doing stupid shit like, I don't want my python anymore, let me just set them free in the Everglades, which is just such fucking dumb logic. And eventually, you have a full-blown invasive species. So specifically, estimates, and again, there's literally no way of knowing. Sure. You can't count the animals in the Everglades of any species, let alone, you know... An invasive one. But estimates are between 30,000 and 300,000 Burmese pythons residing in the Everglades. Wow. I have seen a couple of those uh, shows, like on Discovery Channel, where they're out Mm -hmm. there literally hunting for Mm -hmm. them to try to get them out of there. We're going to talk about that, too. Don't you worry. It's going to be the funnest part. (laughs) Um, So as a result, it is now illegal to import Burmese pythons to the U.S. It was banned by the Department of the Interior. In other words, oh, the, okay. the, yes. natu- the, mm-hmm. the park system was mm-hmm. like, we can't do this anymore. So in 2012, it was banned. That practice was banned. Or if you're Sarah, pa- Sarah Palin, the Department of the Interior is who controls nuclear weapons. And I'm not joking. Because that's what she thought it was. That's what she thought it was. Because <laughs> Trump almost, almost gave her that job when he God. first came into office. <laughs> If you cannot define the department you're being set to run, then you have no. Yeah, it doesn't no matter. It doesn't matter for those people. So the Burmese Python. I have some Holy fun. Holy fuck! Yeah, I have some fun uh, captions for you too. So yes, yeah, so I, I like funny? that. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all camouflaged, and then that's eggs. 
Mm -hmm. and look at my caption there. Read my caption. Babies are gross in every species except kittens and puppies. <laughs> I think that that was funny. Uh, baby foxes are also adorable. Oh, they are. They're, yes. That's true. There are, there are several, actually. Oh, I oh. won't show you those yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the Burmese python is anything but native to Florida. Its native area is mostly Southeast Asia, as the name would suggest. So like Bangladesh, Myanmar, or Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, parts of Malaysia, and Indonesia. Vietnam, Vietnam. <laughs> Just watched that <laughs> amazing race, too. All right. So, I am not a huge fan of snakes. I am not afraid of snakes specifically. They are just on my list, as with most animals, of just, just stay away from me. I won't bother you. That's why I'm a vegan. <laughs> you don't bother me. You don't eat me. I won't. I don't eat you. I specifically don't eat you. So, um, but... These Burmese pythons specifically sound like a snake I would never want to encounter, personally. They are among the top five largest species of snake mm -hmm. in the world, usually averaging. How long would you guess? I'm going to guess maybe like 15 feet. You're not far off. 12 feet. Okay. That's an average. They mm -hmm. absolutely can get longer. So that's about 3.7 meters long. They're very fucking long. I've seen yeah, some Yeah, and that, that are, is yeah. a no fucking way for me. Um, anyway, they have been found as long as 23 feet, yep. 7 meters, which again, no fucking way. No, 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 no. Now, their weight varies by length, obviously, and it varies from female to male. You know, females tend to be smaller than the males. But in general, they're somewhere in the 64 pounds, which is 29 kilograms, to 88 pound or 40 kilograms ballpark. The ones as heavy as 255 pounds or 113 kilograms have been found. Now, yeah. it actually makes sense that these pythons would be at home in the Everglades, as far as an adopted home goes. They're very happy in the water. Yes, they are. They are incredibly strong swimmers. They can actually stay submerged in water for as long as half an hour. Yeah, that's, see. <laughs> Snakes in water. I do not want to see a snake in the water <laughs> no. ever. I have before. Yes, I have yes, several times. That, but yeah. Uh, yeah, snake on land is one thing. In the water, there's something really fucking scary about that mm -hmm. and creepy. Incredibly so. Now, baby pythons can be found in trees and on the ground, but as they age, they tend to stick to the ground more, often hiding in the underbrush, of which there is much in the Everglades. So they're very happy in their adoptive home. Now, the problem with these pythons in the Everglades, what makes them invasive versus just alien, is their diet. Mm -hmm. They are fully carnivorous. They grab birds and mammals with their fangs and then constrict them. Mm-hmm and consume them. So as a result, they're eating their way through the native mammal species in the Everglades. And while it's hard to pin down exactly, because again, exact numbers of each type of species in such a massive area certainly can, can't be counted, observations of researchers familiar with the area have shown a sharp decline in the appearances of raccoons, sure. possums, oh, yeah. bobcats, and especially oh. rabbits. Oh yeah, for sure. There is also concern that that's they, interesting. A bobcat, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's hmm. there's also concern that they might be hunting the Florida panther, which is already endangered. So there's some concern about that. Uh, for example, pythons uh, hunt leopards in their native habitat in Southeast Asia, so it's mm -hmm. not that far off, right? They've also been known to snag the occasional alligator as well. 
Are you going to talk about the the video that's no. out there? There is a video out there of... I won't tell it because you'll be disgusted. Is it a uh, python eating an alligator? Uh, it is a python eating an alligator. What they found, what was left of both of them, because the alligator was so big that the python literally burst, burst open. open. Okay. Oh, no, trust me. I saw a lot of gross pictures yeah, when I was... it's pretty fucked I'm up. I'm going to show you one or two. Um, I'm, and I'm, I'm really surprised that the alligator would lose that battle. Well, or, or, this and is the, the interesting and the, and the panther, too. This is the interesting thing. Alligators are apparently a predator of... And in fact, the only potential predator of the python in the Everglades. Sure. So they, they do kill pythons as well. Obviously, just not enough to control the population. Uh, at one point, here's a gross picture. A 16-foot-long python. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's a deer it's, in there. It's dead. There's a full-grown yeah. adult deer inside there. Yeah. Um, Specifically, this snake weighed on its own 31 pounds. Mm-hmm. It had a 35-pound deer Jesus in its Christ. belly. Yeah. Yeah. This poor deer. That, that might be a good place where you want to hunt deer just to put them out of their fucking misery. Jesus, because it's not just them that are going to kill them. It's all sorts of other things. And here is a chart of an example of why th- these are so invasive. So this is... A chart of an example of how many animals wow. a python would have to kill just to make it to grow to Adulthood. 13 feet mm-hmm. long, which is five to seven years. So th- this is just their example. They're saying it would take roughly one raccoon, one possum, four five-foot alligators, five American coots, which is a bird, six little blue herons, eight ibises, 10 squirrels, 15 rabbits, 15 wrens, 30 cotton rats, and 72 mice. So imagine this animal, which isn't even supposed to be there, mm-hmm. is going to kill off all of these. One, just to make it to adulthood, basically. And because all of these animals that are native there, mm-hmm. you know, obviously animals have instincts. Right. They, they are probably not thinking that there's this thing that can grab me, constrict me, and swallow me whole It would be around. interesting if they're evolving to know that, you know? I th- I'm sure they probably are. I guess, I guess so, yeah. So, yeah. But, anyway. It's not just the impact on the species that the pythons are direct predators of that are the problem either, because ecosystems are built on a delicate balance of predators and prey. Sure. Pythons are also taking out some natural predators in the area, allowing other species to proliferate beyond what is considered in balance for the ecosystem. So, for example, raccoons often eat turtle eggs. Mm -hmm. But because their numbers are being limited by the pythons, turtles are starting to overrun the area, too. Hmm. And because there are no fences around the Everglades, although I suppose we could talk to Trump about building a wall. (laughs) Because that's apparently his fucking answer for everything. So they are not only in the Everglades, obviously, these pythons, right? They've been found as in the wild as far north as Jacksonville. Really? So that's on the northern yeah, end Yeah, that's a ways Florida, away from the Everglades. On the East Coast, yes. Basically the opposite corner of yeah. the state, more or less. And uh, yeah, I like a drive, like a drive from here to Jacksonville isn't that bad. It's, it's about, Jacksonville's it's about like seven or eight, be, yeah, halfway between here and Miami. Yeah, yeah. So, damn, made they've, it that far. They've also been found in the Keys, like near sure. Key West. Now, what is interesting about finding a python in a 
in Key West. It's an island. How oh, did the fucking python yeah, get on an island? Fucking swim so there. Oh. they're not sure whether they've actually been swimming from the Everglades or if people like released them in the Keys. It's probably a mixture of both. But anyway. Yeah, still awful. That's so fucking creepy. Just still, thinking about a snake swimming. I know. Especially that far. And especially that fucking big. Yeah. So what to do about pythons? The question remains, what can be done to rid the Everglades of these invaders? I've got it. Um, we'll just secede Florida. <laughs> yeah, that'll And we'll take, we'll, we'll put Everglades. Puerto Rico in its place. <laughs> and they can be, Florida can be its own thing. <laughs> So many, many interesting tactics have been tried over there. I'm sure. So pythons are naturally difficult to suss out because of their penchant to hide in the underbrush, making them just not very visible. You saw the one in the water, right? Well, that's like that, that was that, that, it, that it is was basically camouflage. That is just about any snakes. That's part of their MO, hunting yeah. me- mechanism. Sure. Is to you don't sure. even know they're there mm-hmm. until it's too late. Traditional trapping also doesn't work very well on the pythons or in the habitat of the Everglades. Biocontrol has been considered, which is when you like introduce a virus or a parasite sure. or something else to target the pythons, but that that could just affect other species and right. cause a whole other imbalance. So that's just not a good strategy. Now, other more advanced tactics have been tried. One of the more successful is that scientists have placed radio transmitters on some male pythons, which they call the Judas snakes, which I love. Mm. Because, so pythons are on their own, like, aside from mating season, generally very solitary. Mm -hmm. So you might find one, but you're not going to find them in, like, a herd, basically. But they put these radio transmitters on these male pythons, and then when mating season comes along, Ah. they go and find a bunch of other snakes. They follow the little guy with the little radio, the so-called Judas snake, and then take out everybody around them. It's very... Very like it's kind of organized me, it's crime. Kind of wanting wanting me to move to Florida and be a snake hunter. We're gonna get to that. Just just just, just you wait. It doesn't pay well. That's the long no, and short. Well, Let's, fuck fuck so. that then. I'm not going in the Everglades <laughs> for, for dick money. They've also experimented with using pheromones to draw pythons out to the open. So sex seems to be the way to get to them, basically. Isn't it always? Now here's the fun part. Perhaps the most Florida strategy <laughs> undertaken to control the python population is. Or was, uh, from what I can tell, it's not still going on. The Python Challenge, sponsored by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation <laughs> Commission and held several times. I do uh, remember hearing about this on Paul and Young Ron. I think I remember Shout them saying about to, this too. Yes. I listened to that for a little yes. while. So the first one happened in 2013. So basically, they let a bunch of people mm-hmm. sign up, volunteer to participate, and you can imagine what kind of people volunteered to oh, participate oh, in this too. Yeah cut them loose in the Everglades with the task of finding and killing as many pythons as they could. Cash prizes were given to people who killed the most snakes and the longest snake. The effectiveness of this? Well, first off, I'd say that shockingly, I couldn't find any reports of serious injury or death. So, (laughs) yay! Yay, Floridians, for not killing yourselves in the process, because that's actually a resounding That's actually very surprising. Yes. Um, But as for the pythons, 
There were 1,600 hunters participating. Collectively, they killed 68 pythons. That's it? Yes. Oh, my These God. These fuckers are hard to find. Yeah. This is really tough. It makes me think that those guys were just going out there getting hammered no. or on meth or something. No, I'm telling you, these... these these things are hard to find. Maybe doing meth Literally. and then going out on the <laughs> python hunt would be helpful. Uh, maybe they should try that next time. So, uh, considering that there are possibly hundreds of thousands of pythons Gosh, in the Everglades, that's not, I'd e- call not that, even making a dent. I'd call that relatively <laughs> ineffective. Um, I would call it completely yeah. ineffective. And and they knew that too, but they kept holding it probably because it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> For people, like, but. like let these at least we know where these people are for a couple of days <laughs> exactly. out of the year. That's probably how they were thinking of it. Beginning in 2017, the South Florida Water Management District Governing Board recruited what they called quote a limited number of public spirited individuals to humanely euthanize end quote pythons. <laughs> That's from their own website. So basically, they picked between 25 and 30 people that they specifically licensed and paid to go hunt pythons in the Everglades. And they were very quick to note on their own website, one of the FAQs was, can you use a firearm to kill a python? And they were like, sure. Why not? (laughs) As long as you got licensed for it, we're fine. I was thinking machete, but I mean, I guess the shotgun would do just as fine. Uh, Yeah. So they pay them $8.46 an hour. Yeah, fuck that. For up to 10 hours per day. No thanks. The way you make money is the bounty. I was going to say, there's there's got to be a bonus or for the Or commission yeah. or bonus, whatever you want to yeah. call it. But uh, so four feet and under gets you a bonus. So if you... If you kill a python four feet and under, uh, you get 50 bucks. See, I would actually... Th- I, uh, here's my Here's how I would release these people in the wild. Can I finish the pricing oh, scheme I'm sorry. real Go quick? Ahead. Yes. So every foot thereafter is an additional $25. See, I would make it the smaller ones are worth more because they haven't eaten all these fucking things yet. You know what I mean? They haven't done as much damage yet. But it's yet. not as fun. That's to, true. It is, I wasn't thinking of that <laughs> angle. You're right. It is not as, not as much fun. One intrepid hunter named Kyle Peniston. I knew his name was Kyle. Here's him with his uh, his friends. Holy shit. He got his five minutes of fame oh. when he earned a $375 bonus oh, for fuck that. killing a 17 and a half foot long python. Uh, if I were him, I'd be like, yeah, you better make that fucking three grand. Like, look at this thing. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, And, and he looks like a guy named Kyle, Kyle who, Pen- hunts, yes. who hunts pythons. Yes, Kyle Peniston. <laughs> Uh, so the program's website doesn't seem to state the number of pythons killed. Instead, they prefer to measure the length of pythons killed, which is 13,524 feet of python. So if we divide that... By the average length? Of 12 feet, that's 1,127 pythons. Which still is not even making (laughs) a dent, like nothing. No, um, they did find, wow. I did find a tweet where they said that somebody did actually, um, kill the 1000th Python, um, about a year ago. So did they get a thousand dollar bonus. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. So yeah, that's, that's a thousand of a possibly 300,000 and counting. They're still fucking, they are reproducing at a far greater rate than it. We're killing well, Look them, at that so. one picture. Look what one, look at how many eggs just one of them oh, yeah, produces. Right? There's what? Fucking it's, probably a they, dozen eggs. They, there are clutches of like 40 eggs that they find Jesus. at a time sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
If you want to join this program, I'm sorry. (laughs) They are full up at the moment. So the Fish and Wildlife Commission also encouraged the public to get involved. Literally, it says that on their website. It says, you can get involved. We need every man, woman, and child we can get. They have organized the Python Removal Contractor Program, which is literally the exact same thing as the South Florida Water Management Same thing that and Kyle is heading up the department. (laughs) (laughs) They also have the Python Pickup Program, which is a cash incentive prize thing. And the Python Patrol. There's members of the Python Patrol. Do you know what the Python Patrol is? It's a training program for free for citizens who want to learn (laughs) how to identify and capture pythons. For the record... No, thanks. Yeah, I don't want to be... Yeah, I don't want to be around any of these people, I don't (laughs) think. So for the record, and just in case anyone cares, python meat from the Everglades is not edible. It contains unsafe levels of mercury Ah. because... They are apex predators, and yes, the bioaccumulation are. of mercury is, creates dangerous levels. So they cannot be eaten. So By us. By humans mm-hmm. safely. Mm-hmm. So just like several other uh, disasters that I've researched, there's been some, some movement in this, like as recently as yesterday. Oh. Uh, so yesterday as to when we're recording this, we're recording this on June 26th. So just this week on June 25th, the current governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, Mm -hmm. said in a press conference, quote. Did he say something racist again? No, listen to this. Quote, I hate these pythons. End quote. I saw this interview. So lawmakers or press conference. Lawmakers had approved $400 million in spending to restore the flow of clean water south of the Everglades. In the words of DeSantis, and I am directly quoting here, except without the stuttering. Quote, it's like we're spending all of this money to revive the Everglades. We're just going to let these big pythons eat everything? You know, we don't want to do that. Oh, my God. End quote. So shout out to Governor Ron DeSantis, clearly of the Donald Trump School of Public Speaking. He dodged specific questions on how the problem should be solved, saying, quote, we're working through that right now. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> It's already too late. Like it's it's it's, it's already too late. We, the we the number just... of dummies <laughs> running the state of Florida. Look at the fucking guy who was running the state of Florida before this, mm-hmm. Rick Scott, who is now a I believe he is now a senator in Florida. Yes, I think he, so. He, and this is knowing we learned this in the in the um, Screwball documentary. He is the oh, yes. biggest Medicare fraud. He's the biggest Medicare mm-hmm. fraudster of all time, and they voted him governor. Twice. Well, now, see, back in my day when I was living there, we had much better leadership. We had Heb. <laughs> That's right. My God. What a Heb su- Bush. What a succession yes. of fucking oh, idiots God. you guys have had down there. So, Holy shit. In the end, the short answer regarding the pythons of the Everglades is that they will never be gone. There's no way to completely eliminate them. They're just too prolific. The main goal is to contain them and preserve as much as possible the original ecosystem, which, for an area as massive and delicate as the Everglades, is no small feat. Of course, it small, could all... Small feet, which they don't could, have. <laughs> it could all be an absolute moot point as Florida gradually sinks into the ocean that's because true. of rising sea levels. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is... <laughs> 
a water table. It is wetlands. It is a riverbed, a giant riverbed. So um, I love my hometown, but it is going to just drown one day, and maybe that's not the worst thing. But if you've never been to the Everglades, go now because they may not be around I was for very say, much well, longer. Let's go. And and it's very it's a very cool place. It really really is. I have a fantastic idea for oh. at least raining in some of these Burmese pythons. Mm-hmm. You know the guy with the transmitter. Mm-hmm. I say put a signal in the Capitol building in Tallahassee and just make it so that all the pythons like <laughs> converge on That's Tallahassee. That's not like the kind of radio signal they're giving. Do they're- it. Somebody can do it. No, it's the snake pheromones. And they have, have them. To. <clears throat> they can eat Ron DeSantis, and they can eat. Um, if Rick Scott's hanging around there one day, they can eat him. No, the better joke is probably um, that there's uh, a lot of snakes concentrated in Tallahassee. Gosh, that's for damn sure. Yeah. Are you proud that I knew Tallahassee was the capital? We just talked about it. Yeah, though. no. I'm yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> Before this episode. <laughs> so that, my friends, is the continuing story of the triumph of the pythons of the Florida Everglades, which, frankly, I think they've just... Otherwise known as the uh, the soon-to-be triumph of Kyle Peniston. <laughs> the, the <laughs> intrepid snake hunter. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I didn't know. Like, I had heard yeah. of all of this. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's been in the news probably the past decade, I would think. At, at yeah, least, it was at least around then. 2000 where it really started becoming yeah. um, well publicized. Because I had seen, I've seen a couple of those Discovery Channel shows where they have, but they're with like a an official, like a wild game, mm-hmm. you know, officer. Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission. Yes. Sort of, yeah. um, and they all said the same thing. They're like, they're like, yeah, we get them every now and then, but they're like, number one, they're hard to find. Drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And they're like, number two, they're like, for every one we get, there could be 40 eggs you know, 20 feet away from us and we wouldn't even know it. So it's why they're basically just like, we're fucked. Like this whole ecosystem is fucked. There are are definitely, I I tend to, and I'm working my way out of this now, but I definitely tend to have kind of a nihilistic viewpoint of mankind (laughs) because I mean, we're ruining our earth. It's literally going to be less and less habitable. We're caught going. We're already causing our own demise, essentially. Well, that's what we're doing. Earth will still be here. Yes. Earth is going to be fine. But you know what? The worst yeah. part is it's going to take us forever to die out. Yeah, like, it's it going to take, take a really long time, and people are just going to suffer in the meantime. But worse, the Earth is going to suffer more in the meantime. Not really. Earth, Earth's going to be fine. No, it's still suffering, though. We're still fucking it over again and again and again. The Earth has been through so many things worse. No, I'm not saying it's not going to survive. I'm just yeah. saying it's bullshit what we're doing. Oh, I, I agree with that. To it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's suffering. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not surviving. Yeah. But it's suffering. We're like... We're, we're the worst. I fucking hate us. <laughs> I just fucking hate us. Look at what we do to... We can't have nice things like the Florida Everglades. We have to fuck it up with our stupid fucking exotic pets that we then decide we can't take care of because we're dipshits. Well, hey, SpaceX wants to go to Mars by 2025, so maybe we can just fuck up another planet instead. Just take all the pythons <laughs> from the Florida Everglades and put them on Mars. There's an idea. Not that there isn't too much to left to fuck up on Mars, but anyway. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it was, uh, that's, that's my home state. It's a, I mean, the... I used to live in the Everglades. Yeah, you did. <laughs> just yeah. after they were developed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it, it is truly a, a crazy story because 
there's kind of, I'm going to say at this point, there's kind of no way out of this. No, that's what I'm saying. Like they're, they're not going to be able to stop this. No. But again, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't try. People are trying. Well, but the, pro- the thing is containing and preserving as right. much as possible. That's the main thing. But it's also very true that South Florida is going to be underwater. Like the Everglades are going to go away one day. Because of rising sea levels, because we're doing jack shit about it. You, so. mean, you mean because of that Chinese hoax? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean because of the dipshits running our country who are doing jack shit about it, is what I mean. And one day maybe we'll do an episode on climate change. Uh, that is, I'm not touching that. That is way, there is so much there. Sure. Um, but the, the reason I believe it's going on is simply because of this. Two of my best friends work in that field, and they've told me so. Well, and they uh, wouldn't, and they wouldn't lie to me because like ninety nine point nine percent of scientists agree it's happening. I believe it's ninety eight, but still, and they're fucking way smarter than I am. Yes. so I'm going to trust. I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah. yeah, just like I would hope they would take my word on taxes, I'm right. going to take their word on science. I'm definitely going to take Jason and Chad's word yeah. on it that this is going on because yeah, because uh, Jason collects soil samples. Yeah. And I don't know what Chad... Chad apparently just goes all over the, <laughs> all well, over the EPA United States. Well, contractor yes. is who he works for, but... Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, that's true. It, I mean, Florida might not be... It might not be worth trying to save at this point because it's not... It's just not going to be around for much longer. Well, maybe we should get a visit into the Everglades so you Probably can see it before. Should. Yes. I, yeah. I apologize to our uh, fellow Florida listeners. We don't want you to go underwater. <laughs> Obviously, because well, my family I, still lives yes. there, and I had a. I, that's the only time I went to Miami was with you, and uh, I remember we kind of we talked about going to a, a Florida Panthers hockey game, mm-hmm. like when we were on the beach, and I just remember thinking, I'm like, I don't want to be inside. Like yeah. there's, there's just that's wh- why it's like I'm like <laughs> that's why sports don't do very well in South yeah, Florida I mean, unless no, they're really winning. <laughs> there's no exactly. I mean, there's no reason. In Fort Lauderdale or Miami to be inside. Not there, really. I mean, there really isn't, you know. Only w- air conditioning is the yeah. reason to be inside. Air conditioning and uh, runaway alligators and now pythons. Wow. So there are those three good reasons to be inside, oh. I guess. So that was the story of the pythons of the Everglades. That is a crazy story. That's fucked up. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. What do I say now? <laughs> we'll see you next oh, week. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> We'll see you next week, and... Know your exits. Especially in the Everglades.